Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Today is Thursday, January 23rd, 2020, and up next on Roland Martin Unfiltered, a new analysis from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution finds that precinct closures in Georgia are actually hurting voter turnout. We'll talk with one of the co-founders of Black Voters Matter about this issue and its impact on the November election. Donald Trump plans to cut entitlements like Social Security and Medicare at the end of the year, even though he said he wouldn't do it. But not only that... 
he went on this tangent talking about how great things are economically for African Americans. We'll have Bill Spriggs, uh, economics professor at Howard University and lead economist for the AFL-CIO to talk about the numbers. Who's lying, Trump, and who's telling the truth? We are. And what can you do about uh, if you're the victim of cyber harassment and bullying? Not listen to Melania Trump. She didn't do a damn thing about it. We'll talk with a woman who fought back and actually won. And what about crazy-ass white people segment? Detroit man settles a race discrimination lawsuit, goes to the bank to cash the check, and the bank discriminates against him. Now, he's suing a trifling ass. Plus, meet the man behind the African-inspired footwear I told you about last week uh, out of uh, Atlanta. Folks, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. analysis by the Land Journal-Constitution mapped Georgia's 7 million registered voters and compared how distance to their local precincts increased or decreased from 2012 to 2018. During that time, county election officials shut down 8% of Georgia's polling places and relocated nearly 40% of the state's precincts. The analysis showed that the further voters live from their precincts, the less likely they are to cast a ballot. Joining me right now is Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Cliff, this is the kind of voter suppression we have been talking about for years. Republicans sit here and they say, oh, no, we aren't doing these things. We talk about voter ID. We talk about gerrymandering. But shutting down precincts and moving them further away, all, it is all about keeping people from being able to vote. You're exactly right, and that's why, and thank you for having me on, Roland. Uh, you know, that's exactly why we're seeing that all of this has really increased ever since 2012, ever since the 2013 Shelby decision, of course, the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. It just so happens that when you look at these poll shutdowns, and it's not just Georgia, it's, it's all across the country, but particularly bad in Georgia under the previous Secretary of State, Kemp. Um, and so what you see is that ever since the gutting of the Voting Rights Act, you saw that those shutdowns, that amounts to 214 polling places right here in Georgia. And it's not equally distributed. And so in some of these counties, even some rural counties, like there was an article in the article that you mentioned, there was one county that was talked about, it was a rural county that only had five polling places. Four of them were shut down. In Randolph County, where we went with our, with our Black Voters Matters bus, the blackest bus in America a couple of years ago, they tried to shut down seven out of nine polling places. So the way that this distribution is taking place and the populations that it's impacted is clearly a voter suppression tactic. And that's before we even get into the other piece of that, which isn't just the shutting down of the polling places, but it's also the relocation 
of other polling places, that also has a disastrous impact. Well, and in fact, uh, if folks actually go to, uh, I'm pulling it up right now, <clears throat> democracydiverted.com, this is a report done by the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. Uh, and it was a number of groups who put this whole thing together. Uh, and what they showed is that across the South, a total of 1,200 polling locations uh, were actually shut down. Uh, Henry, if you go if you go to my uh, iPad right now, folks, this is the map right here. Uh, and you see, uh, okay, so you can't, I don't know why you can't see it. Folks, have, check that uh, HDMI connection, please. I want to show this because, again, this is what people need to understand. We're not just talking about just Georgia. 1,200 across the South, across the South. Uh, and so uh, a 50% decrease you see in the dark areas. You should be able to see it right now. Uh, 25 to 50% decrease, 10 to 25% decrease, uh, 1 to 10% decrease. What you're not seeing on this map increases. The fact of the matter is, you're right. After the Shelby v. Holder decision, Republican legislatures across the South and across the country race to shut down precincts because they did not have to have pre-clearance on any of their changes to voting procedures. That's right. And when you think about the combination, right, because what we know is that they have an entire playbook, an entire voter suppression playbook. And so it's not just this issue of closing polls and relocating polls, right? We know that it's combined with the purges. But think about the way that these things combine, right, and reinforce one another. So you have the to closing of the polling places. You've had documented what the impact of that is on turnout. So you've got an increasing number of people who can't vote, who don't vote because of the closing. Then what do you do? If they don't vote because of these distances over a certain number of cycles, now you come in with the purges. Now you come in with use it or lose it. So in essence, what you're seeing is you're seeing one voter suppression tactic designed to decrease turnout, and then you come in and you repenalize the very folks that you had already disenfranchised by closing the polling places. You double disenfranchise them by now saying, because you were so vulnerable to us closing these polling places and because your turnout went down, now we're going to take you off the polling list. Then you see what? You see absentee voting becomes more important because for an older person that used to walk to their polling place and now it's five miles away or 10 miles away, so now absentee voting becomes more important. But at the same time, what we've seen is, and especially here in Georgia, that the Secretary of State was ruthless in coming down on organizations for registering black voters, for using absentee ballots um, to get black voters to get their polls counted when they can't get to the polls, so you see that whole voter prosecution issue also being overlapped with the closing of the polling places. And then you see what? You see attacks on people giving rides to the polls. Right here in Georgia, we had a party that was giving rides to the polls and through a unique partnership with some funeral homes that were providing vehicles, and that person was pulled over and had eight, count them, eight patrol cars come over and stop him because he was parked on the wrong side of the road. They knew that he was in a vehicle that was being used for rides to the polls. The rides to the polls that were increasingly necessary. Why? Because of closing the polling places. So it's a layered strategy that we're seeing. Absolutely. Killer Cliff Albright, we surely appreciate it. Thanks a lot, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Thank you, Rowan. All right, folks, in a moment, I'm going to go to my panel. Right now, I want to go live to the United States Senate where Congressman Hakeem Jeffries is making the case for the Democrats in the impeachment of Donald Trump. Let's go live right now. Ukrainians, uh, Mr. Daniluk, uh, starts to ask about a White House meeting, and Ambassador Bolton was trying to parry this back. As you've seen, President Zelensky didn't just raise the Oval Office meeting on his April 21st call. He raised the meeting 
on July 21st, fifth call with President Trump again. President Zelensky said on the July 25th call, I also wanted to thank you for your invitation to visit the United States, specifically Washington, D.C. After the July 25th call, the Ukrainians continued to press for the meeting, but that meeting never happened. Only on September 25th, after the House announced its investigation into the President's misconduct as it relates to Ukraine, and the existence of a whistleblower complaint became public, did President Trump and President Zelensky meet face to face for the first time. That meeting was on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly in New York. It was dominated by public release of the July 25th call record that had occurred the day before. It was a far cry from the strong demonstration of support that would have been achieved by an Oval Office meeting. Even President Zelensky recognized that a face-to-face -face talk on the sidelines of the United Nations General Assembly was not the same as an official Oval Office meeting. Sitting next to President Trump in New York, he again raised a White House meeting. Here is what President Zelensky said. And I, I want to thank you for uh, invitation to uh, Washington. Yeah. You invited me. But I think, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but, but I think you forgot to tell me the date. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in the near future. President Trump was not just withholding a small thing. The Oval Office meeting was a big deal. Ukraine remains at war with Russia. It desperately needs our support. And as a result, the pressure on Ukraine not to upset President Trump, who still refuses to meet with President Zelensky in the Oval Office to this day, continues. David Holmes testified that the Ukrainian government wants an Oval Office meeting even after the release of the security assistance, and that our own United States national security objectives would also benefit from such a meeting. Although the hold on the security assistance may have been lifted, there were still things they wanted that they weren't getting, including a meeting with the president in the Oval Office. Um, whether the hold, uh, the security assistance hold continued or not, the Ukrainians understood that that's something the president wanted, and they still wanted important things from the president. Um, so and I think that continues to this day. I think they're being very careful. They still need us uh, now going forward. In fact, right now, President Zelensky is trying to arrange a summit meeting with President Putin uh, in the coming weeks to his first face-to-face -face meeting with him to try to advance the peace process. Um, he needs our support. He needs, he needs uh, President Putin to understand that America supports Zelensky at the highest levels. Um, so there, this, is, this, is, this doesn't end with the lifting of the security assistance hold. Um, Ukraine still needs us and, ha and, as I said, still fighting this war this very day. 
All right, folks, again, so the uh, Democrats continue to make their case in the United States Senate. I first want to deal with our first story. That is, of course, the precincts in Georgia and across the South. Dr. Greg Carr, chair of the Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard University. Erica Savage-Wilson, host Savage Politics Podcast. Eugene Craig, CEO Eugene Craig Organization. Eugene, I want to start with you. Uh, the reality is, after the Shelby v. Holder decision, Republicans could not wait uh, to suppress the vote. They quickly moved to pass voter ID laws. Uh, shutting down of these various uh, polling polling locations, moving them further away. In fact, not just, not just hurting African Americans uh, and Latinos. Uh, in Wisconsin, I remember in 2012, a cl clerk stated that she purposely moved an early voting location off of a college campus because she said too many of those young folks were voting Democrat. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the effort to, to hurt Democrat votes. Um, Republicans know that. Look, they turn it to a regional uh, minority party. You know, 10 years from now, Republican Party is going to be a regional minority party unless they get their act together. And so what you're seeing is a full-on assault, you know, funded by uh, dark money um, and, you know, bad money, you know, if, if, if I could characterize it that way, uh, to fund these efforts. And uh, that's what you're seeing here. Um, you know, they, they know that they can't win these constituencies, so the best, next best thing is to just make sure they don't vote or aren't able to vote or, you know, have a speed bump or five to vote. Uh, Greg, bottom line is that's what we're seeing here. Uh, Republicans know if it's a huge turnout, they lose. They do not want to see black people turn out in elections like they did in 2008 and 2012. That's exactly right. And then to keep it Georgia-specific in a moment, Roland, uh, parenthetically, I want that top, brother. But anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, shout-out to the great thief, the illegitimate uh, governor of uh, Georgia, Brian Kemp, who stole the recent, uh, his most recent uh, the gubernatorial election. But they've got a particular eye on November 2020. Why? Because Johnny Agerson resigned from his seat and Kelly Leffler is up yep. for election to fill the last two years of that seat. And David Perdue's seat is also vacant. Yep. Uh, he's running for re-election. Uh, they will both be defeated in November if we power through this moment. Brian Kemp is pulling out all the stops. Uh, they're pulling out all the stops because they realize that they're about to lose two seats in Georgia if black people just do like we've been saying, and you laid out with this, every year we register. And go in there and wipe them off the face of that state because Mike Epsi can win in Mississippi. Yep. They can yep. flip two seats in, in Georgia. The demographics are in our favor. And as we just heard our brother say, you're absolutely right. They are now dropping all pretenses, and they don't need hoods and sheets anymore. They are in the broad daylight trying to steal everything going. Absolutely. Erica. Absolutely. And just to add to that, um, that North Carolina, there was just a decision mm -hmm. that was issued in North Carolina, December 31st, uh, they were still fighting to ensure that people would have to show up to the primary <laughs> with ID. Um, and so the statement on the Secretary of State, plain, mm -hmm. the Secretary of State Sykes plainly says that, listen, this decision is firm yep. until further notice. So when we see these efforts, going back to a um, another illegitimate um, person um, in a governorship, uh, Ron DeSantis, yes. that voting is not a privilege. Voting is a right. But what both of you brothers, I absolutely agree with, that the onus is on the people to show up and to over-index and to put that into plain language, mm. meaning you need to show up, your mama, your cousin, the trap boys, everybody has Come to show now. up. Come on, Everybody here. has to make sure one another is registered and everybody has to go to the poll. The same way that we would wait for other things, you stand in that line and you make sure that you vote. And, and, what, and what's more important is that there are a lot of states that have their uh, state legislature elections this cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And so if folk turn out, you know, those same state legislatures are going to be the ones that are going to determine what the, the lines and maps look like during redistricting over the next year and a half. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, let's turn to uh, impeachment. Uh, Eugene, I'm laughing because uh, the Republicans yesterday forgot to bring their slides in the videos. <laughs> uh, and I, mean, it, oh. it, 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 I think it shows you the ineptness of the folks uh, who were trying to defend Donald Trump. Also, Republicans are doing their best not to pay attention. They're yeah. supposed to stay seated for the entire time, many of them uh, walking in and out. John Roberts refuses to hold them accountable, yeah. right. letting them do whatever they want to. Right. Uh, so it's laughable watching this whole deal and how they cannot in any way actually own up to what happened. So you have one senator uh, who, who from Indiana who just said, oh, no, 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 Trump did nothing. <laughs> when the duty, when he is, when Trump is in Davos saying, yeah, we held the documents, they don't have anything. Right. Dude was admitting, That's yeah, we obstructed. Yeah. And what's crazy, it's crazy is that these folk live their lives at this point so day to day, hour to hour, just trying to make sure they aren't pissing off Donald Trump. They aren't looking at the long-term ramifications of this, which you're probably going to see after all this is over. Look, we know that, you know, Trump's going to be acquitted, right? It's like, you know, I think the best example, best, best, definition of uh, this is essentially having his frat boys, you know, uh, you know, convict him of something that we know he did. We know Trump's going to be acquitted by the Republican Senate, but what's going to happen in the next two election cycles is you're going to see Susan Collins probably get booted. You're going to see right. Cory Gardner probably get booted. You're going to see Martha McSally get blown out by Mark Kelly. And those are that's just three. And then you can run the gamut or pick one from people like Tom Tillis, uh, any two in Georgia, and a litany of other races that are... Possibly you know, McConnell. Possibly, possibly Mitch, you know, cocaine Mitch could be gone. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, and so, but they aren't thinking long-term. They're thinking, hey, how do I not piss Trump off in this day-to-day -day environment? Not, hey, I'm on a daily basis pissing off voters that are going to remember this in, 20, in 2020 election. What I tell people all the time is that, you know, look, in 2018... You saw a record turnout for people having the first opportunity to vote against Donald Trump. What the hell do you think they're going to do when they have the opportunity to vote against Donald Trump himself, not just his party? Right, right. Yeah, they're not counting, counting the cost. And I, I love what Dr. Jason said yesterday right. when he was on RMU. He said, you know, whatever that is that Donald Trump has on them, you know, bottle that up and sell it. Yeah. Um, mm. So this short term, the other um, thing that I hope that people are remembering is something that um, I shared on Twitter the other day is that you have a John Roberts, a Roberts court. This is the same person that's responsible for the 2010 mm -hmm. Citizens United um, decision. Great. And then you also have him responsible for um, the 2013 uh, Section 5 gutting of the BRA. And so to the extent that the American people are seeing that there's such a lackluster involvement in democracy on the behalf of the Republicans, um, from a person who was, um, who got his go to seat from a Republican president, that again, that when they show up to the polls to make sure that they are issuing a personal referendum on who they want to see in power, who they want to see leading uh, what fragments we have left of democracy. No, that's absolutely right. I mean, and, and as a as a student of, of American democracy, I and mean, we all are, and, 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 but listening yesterday, and y'all talked about it yesterday on the show, but listening to Adam Schiff, I think that was one of the most remarkable uh, flights of public orati or or oratory really in American history. He was making a direct plea for the future of American democracy. And as, as we've just heard, as y'all both have just laid out, what, we really see, what we're really seeing on trial is American democracy. And once it's broken, it's not going to be rewoven. Re re America's a settler state. 
It was never a nation. It's a state with many different nations in it. Yeah. Once you have violated the principle that there is the law that holds us together, as Schiff said yesterday, there's nothing to stop anyone who has power from doing whatever the hell they want. Yep. And so what I think the mistake the Republicans have made, as you're saying, Eugene, is that they think perhaps they can overplay this, expecting that other people believe in American democracy more than them. No, no one really believes in American democracy. That, that social contract is only held together if the possibility that the law is above us exists. Once they've destroyed that, then it becomes, let's just get our people in. And okay. as Schiff said yesterday, if it's a Democrat that comes in and says, I'm going to do everything by executive fiat, the Democratic Party then just says, can we stack the legislature huh? to back our woman or back our huh? man? Right. You've destroyed the idea of the rule of law. And that is what they're risking in the federal huh? legislature, even as Hakeem speaks and or as Val Deming demonstrates. They're risking it all. Right. Or, or, or competing interests, for that matter. You know, yeah. you know, the Congress and the executive branch, the way our, our, our Republicans design is for them to to clash. It's, you should have competing interests. You should have competing powers. But what you're seeing, you know, with the, the way of the filibuster and uh, yeah. the way, you know, these folks, you know, under, I mean, a lot of these folks even stood the bush on things. They stood up the bush on things, and they're just rolling on Trump. It's, 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 it's sad to see. It's All right, folks, uh, yeah. we'll talk about this here. Um, and so I just saw this video here. So Elizabeth Warren is campaigning um, in, I think, it uh, looks like, uh, in Iowa. And uh, this white man rolls up on her and is complaining about her proposal to, to uh, pay off or wipe out student loan debt. So I want to play this, and I want to talk about this, because um, let, just here we go. Clear. This is why I got a serious issue with the arrogance of this white man. And guess what? If there was a black man in the video, I would call his ass arrogant as well. Mm -hmm. uh, to sit here and confront by saying that, oh, I worked my butt off, I did the right thing and paid off my uh, child student loan debt, well, way to go. And then to use your buddy who you said who took vacations who, and who didn't, and he would get a free ride. But guess what? It's a whole bunch of people who are white, who are black, who are Latino, who work their butt offs, and guess what? Still don't have any extra money left to pay off right. student loan debt. And so here's what I will also be interesting. And I wish, and I know Elizabeth Warren couldn't do it, but I will also <laughs> would have asked that white man. So what do you have to say about the $30 billion that farmers have gotten because of Trump's tariffs, many of them here in Iowa? Right. What do you have to say about the billions of dollars American taxpayers have footed in subsidies, also called welfare, to Iowa farmers to not grow food? in order to keep food prices artificially high. Yep. Please tell me, white man in Iowa, what do you have to say about the billions of dollars in ethanol subsidies that have gone to people in Iowa? Hmm. Do other folks work their butt off? See, Greg, what bothers me with guys like him is that you could apply that to anything. 
You could apply that to the earned income tax credit. Yeah. You could apply that to anything. And and so this whole deal of, yo, uh, do do I get my money back? Well, guess what? It's a whole bunch of stuff uh, that happened in the past that laws were changed. And so what do you want? You want to you wanna go back 30 years and say, can I get my money back? <laughs> How about this one? Y'all got free-ass labor. My, my, yeah. my. My, my. Can we get our money back? My, my. Come on, See, I mean, you, I mean, you want to go there. You want to go there. But it bothers me. It bothers me where, okay, you said you work double shifts. Guess what? It's a bunch of people who wish they had a job where they could have had double, double shifts. Press. Come on, brother. People take jobs sometimes at colleges, and I work at one of them, getting paid very low wages for the opportunity to have their children go there reduced or, or tuition. Or their, in other words, no one is ever... People talk about free. Everything is subsidized. We pay taxes. So, I mean, and this is the thing. After we get past the white primaries, Iowa and New Hampshire, <laughs> then we get into the real primaries. Yeah. And what is terrifying now, commercial news, entertainment, media, is that Bernie Sanders' numbers are not going down, they're going up is that Elizabeth Warren, even though she's dipped a bit, is still there. And this is that combined, those two represent a plurality of the voters and that the younger you go in the demographic, the, the larger their numbers are. Why is that terrifying? Because there's a consciousness shift in this society. And that shift is around, really, the concept that if we're going to have a society, extreme wealth inequality is going to have to be addressed. This white man is irrelevant. His little state is irrelevant. His state receives subsidies from other states, yep. states like Maryland, places yep. like the District of Columbia that has no political representation in the federal legislature. So ultimately, uh, th his comments are fodder for news entertainment media. And but, it, it's infuriating, but ultimately, I think we're going to see a shift as people say exactly what you're saying. We got to move toward a different type of, of government. But it also bothers me, Erica, because look, I've got some black people on my Twitter page who are saying, oh, you call this guy, uh, his com comments are dumb. They are dumb. Yeah. They're dumb in the Very. sense that, okay, so you worked a double shift to be able to save money. How about the people who are the working poor, mm -hmm. right. okay, whose children are the first generation to go to college? People who literally are going to college with $50 in their pocket. That's me, bro. All right? Not having <laughs> enough resources uh, to be able to eat. Look. My parents had three of us mm. in college at one time. My God. My brother was a junior, I was a sophomore, sister was a freshman at one time. Jesus. Parents never made more than 50 grand combined in their life and still had two sisters at home. Come on, Roland. So Come I'm on. sitting here going, so you're tripping because of a proposal. How about this? How about realizing that sometimes stuff is bigger than your trifling ass? <laughs> How about realize that you know what? You're dealing with a trillion dollars in student loan debt. Where what has happened is you're going to have kids and their kids' kids saddled with debt. Mm -hmm. And so her proposal is talking about using the powers, if she's president, to wipe 50 grand off. If you got $130,000 in student loan debt uh -huh. and she wipes away 50, yeah. you still got 80. Yes, sir. Mm. Yeah, that's a whole salary yep. for some people. How about that? Um, and, I, <laughs> and thinking about that, just um, there was a gentleman who um, was homeless, a part of that whole um, unfortunate sweep that they're doing on K Street, and he was very frank. He said, listen, you got to be honest. He was like, to live in D.C. proper or in the D.C. Um, area, you've got to make at least 80 grand. He was like, so 
I'm where I'm, I'm where I have no choice but to How be. Um, so to listen to um, mm. the audacity of whiteness, the same profile of a person that can be in a Virginia and march down a road with guns in tow and have police escorts and not have the police mm. to tackle them down. I'm listening to him, and, and I heard that clip before, and I thought to myself, I was like, well, damn, that sounds like a lot of what happens in the black experience. Mm -hmm. And what usually has to happen is that, as you pointed out, your parents had three children in college at the same time. There's a way made. Somebody gets a second, third job. Somebody babysits. Somebody does hair in the house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this kind of whining really does speak to why, number one, um, Iowa needs to not be one of the first states I that agree. a primary That's is held right. in. That's you right. have a 90-plus percent um, folks uh, that are um, white that live in that are supposed to speak to the lived experiences of America. Please, that's n that ain't even it. Nope. And then number two, you have people that stay in lenses that really are, when you look at it, they're people that are in more unfortunate situations that have to mm. make a way. So this, for me, was just white male um, whining at its finest. <laughs> but you know what? Here's what's interesting, Eugene. I was watching yeah. the some 30 for 30 documentary about the cheating scandal that took place at uh, uh, some of the city colleges in New York. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you know people don't realize? You used to be able to go to college for free right. in New York. Mm -hmm. Oh, no question. How many people were able to get a free education yeah. going to city schools in yep. New York yeah. And so, what? Uh, uh, see, this, this, this whole idea is somehow, oh my goodness, that, 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 that that's not right, that's not just. All right, dude is mad because he saved money to pay his kids' debt off. All right, so are you upset with the GI Bill? Mm. Are, you, are you upset if soldiers are able uh, uh, to, to go to college at, 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 uh, uh, at reduced rates? See, the, the problem with this whole deal of, well, this is just me and my life, you act as if there's nobody else out there. As if there's nobody else out there working hard, okay? If you have a job that's paying you $9 an hour and you go get you another job that's paying you $7 an hour, that means you've now got two jobs paying you a total of $16 an hour. Right. I'm sorry. Please show me how you have the capacity to live off of that and save money to be able to pay right. your child's debt off. This is whiteness. That's what this yeah, is. Yeah. And guess what? There's a reason why black kids yeah. have twice as much student loan debt yeah. as white kids. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, look, you know, this guy wants to live in reality. Let's, let's talk about some things that are slightly more expensive than, you know, wiping out student loan debt. Uh, uh, that, you know, I'm pretty sure he has no problem paying, like, hey, let's increase this defense budget almost to a trillion dollars per year. Or, hey, let's, you know, kick in, you know, more than just the $30 billion that they've gotten in relief. That's not the actual subsidies that's gone to, to Iowa farmers or, or middle America farmers. Uh, let's talk about, you know, uh, subsidies that's gone to uh, green cars that, one more time, benefit states like Iowa. Let's talk about, you know, all the dollars that go out of states like Maryland or California or New York or the big blue diverse states that, you know, hey, states like Iowa and New Hampshire tend to scoff at because, one more time, they're big blue and diverse. Okay, but, here's the deal, right here. I'm pulling up right here. Again, just so people... The $2 know, trillion we spent in Iraq and Afghanistan. So understand, mm. in terms of farm subsidies... Break it down. Okay, these are just facts. Farm subsidies 
total USDA subsidies from 1995 to 2019. Number one, Texas, big ass state, got $37.5 billion in farm subsidies. What's number two? Iowa. 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 Libby-ass Iowa <laughs> got $33.2 billion in farm subsidies. Where does that money come Iowa. from, Rolly? Oh. Federal taxpayers. <laughs> Which means I paid for that. You paid for that. Precisely. Everybody paid for that. You uh, uh, right. Anyone know what's going on? Right, right. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? You know crazy? If you look at that list, if you look at that list right there, right? You take away number three, Illinois. Illinois. You take away Minnesota. Five, Kansas. Six, Nebraska, Red. North Dakota, Red. South Dakota, Red. Missouri, Red. Indiana, Red. Arkansas, Red. California, Blue, Blue, Ohio, Red, Red. Mississippi, Red, Red. Oklahoma, yeah. Red. Wisconsin, went Red, Red. Georgia, Red. Montana, Come on, Colorado, North Carolina, Louisiana, Michigan, Washington State, Kentucky, Tennessee. So, of the top 25 farm subsidy states, yes. let's see. Illinois blue, one. Minnesota blue, two. California blue, three. Uh, Colorado, call it blue, four. Trump one, Michigan, Washington State, five. Of the top 25 states, 20 are red states. Give us our money back. And the my thing my. is this, the thing is this, if you and if you look <laughs> wow. at if you look at the, the, the a total amount of cash, you know, those states population wise probably all equal up to Texas. That's right. And right. they're all and and, and and you know they they're getting probably up to, you know, if you look at the cash distribution, you know, they're probably getting 10 to 1 combined, you know, to the state of so Texas. So it's not even right to read it in terms of states. It's no. really right to read in terms of population, which means what? D.C., blackish, right? Baltimore, <laughs> black, <laughs> all because New York State, because New York don't have farmland. No question. We, right. we paying, and these cats in the hood paying every kind of tax from sales tax. Hold on, and, and, and don't forget, <laughs> Come on. the tax laws also set up to benefit those who own real estate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, see, so, look. Bottom line is this. If you're going to have the United States, this extreme inequality has to be addressed. Elizabeth Warren comes out of Oklahoma. She's trying... And in a minute, we're going to hear from, you know, my colleague Bill Spriggs going to walk us through this Social Security. The majority of people who get subsidies in this country because of the population are white. Yeah. This man, whether it be Social Security, whether it be Medicare, Medicaid, whether it be any of these... Uh, these are things we've already paid for. Right. And so what they have to understand is there's going to come a day in this country, this is why, as you say, whiteness, when if you choose your whiteness over your life, we're going to choose differently, too. And we're going to stop carrying the Dakotas. Right. We're going to stop carrying Iowa. And what they're doing right now down in Congress, they are threatening the fabric that holds this idea yep. together. And there'll come a day we turn our backs on y'all, and you ain't got enough guns to keep the United States together this time. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about... So Donald Trump was in Davos, and he, he was just extolling how wonderful life is for African Americans under Donald Trump. We're going to fact-check his ass. That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roller Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. 
And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. All right, for us, join Reverend Dr. Jackie Hood Martin as she engages others to think like a leader. Are you looking to enhance your leadership or that of your team in 2020? Well, you can join her online course and mastermind group, How Successful People Think. She'll be your guide as you learn timeless leadership principles to apply to daily living. The offer expires on February 28th to register uh, or start the online course. Go to www.livetolead.com forward slash Leesburg, livetolead.com forward slash Leesburg. Again, it is the uh, it's an online leadership course uh, that you want, and it's called How Successful People Think. And so the deadline is February 28th, and so livetolead.com forward slash Leesburg. All right, folks, Donald Trump is in Davos, where all the rich people are, uh, <laughs> for the annual event there. And he gave an interview on CNBC, and he was talking about Social Security, Medicaid, but then he got into how just wonderful things are in America, especially for black people. I dare. One last question. Go ahead. Entitlements ever be on your plane? Uh, at some point, they will be. We have tremendous growth. We're going to have tremendous growth. This next year, it'll be toward the end of the year. The growth is going to be incredible. And at the right time, we will take a look at that. You know, that's actually the easiest of all things, if you look. Because it's such if you're a big willing percentage. to do some of the things that you said you wouldn't do in the past, though, in terms of Medicare. Well, we're going to look. We also have uh, assets that we never had. I mean, we never had growth like this. We never had a consumer that was taken in through d different means over ten thousand dollars a family. We never had the kind of uh, the kind of things that we have. Look, our country is the hottest in the world. We have the hottest economy in the world. Uh, we have the best unemployment numbers we've ever had. African American, Asian American, uh, Hispanics are doing so incredibly best they've ever done. Uh, black, best they've ever done. African-American, the numbers are incredible, the poverty numbers, the unemployment and the employment. This, there is a difference, actually. But the unemployment and employment numbers for African-Americans are the best we've ever had. You know, we just uh, came up with a chart, and it was a very important number to me. African-American youth has the highest by far unemployment, the best unemployment numbers that they've ever had and the best employment numbers. Right now, we have almost 160 million people working in the United States, and we've never even been close to that, Joe. All right, there's a reason I use the hashtag Trump Lies Matter, because you saw lots of lies there. Uh, you heard what he had to say about Social Security, but you know there's always a tweet or a series of tweets whenever he talks. Pull up the first one, please. This is what he said. I'm going to save Medicare and Medicaid. Carson wants to abolish uh, and failing candidate Governor John Kasich doesn't have a clue. Weak. Hmm. Really? You're going to save it? Like you said, you save HBCUs, huh? I was the first and only potential GOP candidate to state there will be no cuts to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Huckabee copied me. Hmm. Still lying. Republicans who want to cut Social Security and Medicaid are wrong. A robust economy will make America great again. Another lie. Hmm. 
That's what happens. But really what was bugging the hell out of me was how he was talking about how great things are for black people. Joining me now is Howard University economist, Dr. Bill Spriggs. Uh, Doc, glad to have you here. I want to show you this here. This is from uh, this report uh, dealing with uh, five facts reveal the current crisis in black home ownership. Go to my iPad, please, Henry. Number one, the current 30% percentage point gap between black and white home ownership is larger than it was in 1968 when housing discrimination was legal. If black home ownership rates were the same today as it was in 2000, America would have 770,000 additional black homeowners. Home ownership is lower for black college graduates than for white high school dropouts. Number four, black borrowers are less likely to meet the traditional credit standards necessary to qualify for a mortgage. Number five, 17% of the black white home ownership gap can't be explained by identifiable factors. But I thought stuff was just so great for black people. <laughs> well, they aren't. Uh, the labor market, <laughs> so let's be clear about the labor market again because he's made this claim repeatedly. If I just did a straight line for the eight years before he became president and said, what is black unemployment going to be? It's going to be about the same as it is right now. It would be a little lower. So this, this is the rooster claiming I made the sun come up. It was going to happen without him. His claim is I didn't mess it up. That's his claim. Now, in terms of the share of black people who have a job, we haven't gotten that back. We have got the share of people who had a job back to 2008, but the record was in 2001. So we're not there. And... His claim about black teenage unemployment is kind of misleading because black teenage labor force participation is very low anyway. It's the way that we compensate as a people because we don't have the income, we don't have the resources to help our kids. And so they withdraw in order to make up so they can study. See, the key to the whole black student debt crises is because poor black people go to college. White poor people don't. So they don't have to. Well, they don't have to because you saw this stat. If you're a white high school dropout, you're more likely to own a home than a black college graduate. If you are a white high school dropout, your unemployment rate, that if you looked at it, right, it's like 5.1, something like that. That's the black, that's the black unemployment rate. That's wow. the black unemployment rate. So if you're a white high school dropout, your chances of getting a job, that's what it is for a black person, period. Wow. So, so yes, they don't have to. We do. We got the memo. It's not like black people didn't get the memo. We got the memo. That's why we went into debt, because poor black kids go to school. 65% of black kids enter college the maximum, maximum, expected contribution from their parents is zero. Zero. Their parents don't have enough... You gave the examples that you went through. Their parents don't have enough for us to expect them... Right. ...to come up with anything because there's no there there. I mean, right. I, 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 as I think back, um, my parents may have sent some money, but I'm talking about some 
I ain't talking about a thousand. How about that? I ain't talking about five hundred. Maybe, maybe fifty dollars. Maybe that's just reality. That's reality. And you that's, worked while you were in. Oh hell yeah, worked. We all did. Absolutely worked. Absolutely worked. But see, here's all four years. Yes. Sir. But here's the difference. We changed policy in two thousand. This generation, the reason why it's a trillion dollars and everybody's talking about it is because if you look at back in history, this is unique. This 10-year period, 20-year period, it stands out. It's not any other period in American history. Why? Because our previous deal before 2000 was America invested in public higher education hmm. so it was affordable. Right. So you didn't go into debt. When I was in college in the 70s, if you took a minimum wage job, mm -hmm. any job, mm -hmm. if you worked at McDonald's Come on, brother. in the summer, that was tuition for the University of California, Berkeley. Mm -hmm. If you took a McDonald's job for the summer, that was tuition yeah. at the University of California, Berkeley. I worked at Crystal's wow. overnight and paid for Tennessee State because my parents, like you said, three in college at the same time. So, Bill, are you, I mean, you, so, so, so how so, do we fix it, brother? Is it a policy issue? It, it is a policy issue, but that's why people are talking about forgiveness because if I were oh. to correct it, right, if I said, you know what, every American up till 2000 got the deal, this generation got cheated, I want to go back to the original deal. <laughs> I want to go back to if you just go and work for three months at McDonald's, that's your tuition? Right. If I go back to that, then I'm going to have a bunch of people say, wait, 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 time out. Yeah. That wasn't my deal. My <laughs> deal was you borrow $60,000. Right. And then we're talking about the cuts. It wasn't just federal cuts. You also saw state, state cuts. At state so cuts. Then all the, it's the state not, cuts so that were state huge. state cuts in public education. Then you had, because of state cuts, dramatic increase in tuition. And so as a result, haves and have-nots. And so the, the, the thing for me, again, I, I want, because Reverend Barber sent me this, because, again, when Trump is touting how wonderful things are for black people, this is what he tweeted the other day. He said, Mr. President, this is not, Trump was tweeting about, uh, Trump has sent out a tweet um, where he said, I'm, let me go ahead and plug it in so y'all can see this. Uh, Henry, let me know if you got, uh, you should be able to see, uh, do you see it now? Let me know. Uh, Trump tweeted about on MLK Day, it was exactly three years ago today, January 20th, 2017, do y'all see it? Uh, that I was sworn into office, so appropriate that today is also MLK Junior Day. Uh, African American unemployment is the lowest in the history of our country, by far also best poverty, youth and employment numbers ever great. Reverend Barber says, Mr. President, this is not true, and the prophetic tradition of MLK contradicts your lie. Median income for black households is $2,000 lower in your administration than in Obama's when black unemployment fell nine points. You sound like the slave master who boasted that his slaves were happy. Wow. <laughs> well, that's about it. We remember, though, when he took office, he took office with the lowest black unemployment rate that any president inherited. So all the other presidents, and people used to pick on President Obama what the black unemployment rate was. They forgot he inherited a high black unemployment rate that was rising. This man inherited the lowest unemployment rate black people ever had for a new president.
pro-slavery. And, and, oh yeah, exactly, this is why I always get on people about a job guarantee. 100%, you know, we had a job guarantee. We decided that didn't sound so sweet. No question. So, he already, it's, the score is 99 to nothing. I hand over the ball to you with 30 seconds left, and you're on the two-yard line. Come on. Okay. And then you want to act like, oh, I did something. Right. <laughs> and if you look at that one at, at its highest point, I think uh, unemployment rate was what? Because of the housing crisis, everything, we're losing half a million jobs a month. It was what, 16, 18% for African Americans? He leaves, it's down to, it's slashing half, mm. uh, eight or eight and a half, something like that. It's only been lowered 2.2 points or so since since Trump uh, uh, came in. That's so, so not like he slashed it, but also what he won't talk about, the black male unemployment rate has gone up in the last several months. Well, last month it went up. Wow. And and he he had us all frightened because uh, there was a period earlier in the year when the black female and male unemployment rate were going up. That had to do with the Fed getting it wrong on the interest rates. Fortunately, they changed course. But he's not had a smooth decline. It's not been every month right. doing better. And, and so the reason I wanted to, to break this down and not just, because the deal is, and I saw Robert Smith on Squawk Box, and he put this on his Instagram page where, where he was asked that question, and he said, he said, first of all, guys, he said, you can't just look at, un, look at the unemployment rate. He said, because the question is, uh, are, you earn, are you making money mm. to be able to build wealth? Yeah. Are you making money just to be able to survive? Mm. And he said, you got to deal with that. And then he brought up also uh, the whole issue in terms, of, in terms of home ownership. And so when you start talking about, uh, so when all these people like Candace Owens and these crazy-ass people who Christian Lamar and the rest of these fools, oh, how great things are for African-Americans. I, and I love how they talk about uh, that fool Charlie Kirk. He'll tweet, oh, black on it, uh, the black uh, business startups up 400%. Yes, there are 2.6 million black-owned businesses in America. 2.5 million have one employee. When there were 1.9 million black-owned businesses under Obama, 1.8 million had one employee. Oh, but when there were 1.9 million black-owned businesses, they had an average annual revenue of $110,000. Today, we have 700,000 more black-owned businesses. Average revenue is 54000 So to, you can't get excited saying, oh, 700,000 new black-owned businesses doing half the revenue of the previous number and you're still stuck with largely one employee. It's called the hustle. And, <laughs> Make and, the plane. And, yeah. and, yes, and yes. so that gets, that gets counted as employed. So when I do my hustle, so I'm a business, and I, as you just said, I'm the only employee, if there are no jobs for me as a tailor, and I decide my hustle is going to be I'm going to open up a tailor shop, there are no jobs for you as a tailor. Right? Oh, wow. But I'm going to start a tailor shop. Right. Like, wait, right. time out. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, this can't be in demand. Right. <laughs> so this is, this, is the, this is the crisis. But as you point out, and you asked me about his getting cornered on Medicare and on Social Security, he had promised everybody, and you talked about trillion-dollar debt and people forgiving the trillion-dollar debt, he increase the deficit with his tax cut right, by over a trillion and a half, yes, sir. giving it to the richest corporations, the richest people on the planet, and we were told as American workers, oh, look, 
The reason y'all can't get a wage increase is because your bosses who have record profits still can't afford to pay you because they're paying so much in taxes. Right. So we're going to give them a permanent tax cut, and with that tax cut, Y'all gonna get a wage increase. And before it even passed, two-thirds of the CEOs said, no, we're not. <laughs> we're doing shareholder buyback. And that's exactly what they did. And real wages last year, flat. Yep. Flat. No one got any more anywhere. Real wages stayed flat. There you go. So we didn't see it. Now, because of that deficit, he has a reckoning. He has to figure out what is he going to do about the deficit, which he promised us was going to shrink. So he's going after the old Republican yeah. target. Because <laughs> right. their target has always been Medicare and Social Security. Right. Now, those should never have been targets. If you hadn't spent a trillion and a half giving it to the richest people on the planet, we wouldn't have this discussion. But, 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 but that's also the setup that also when you see a Senator Amy Klobuchar fall for the trap in the last debate where she talked about, oh, we got to do something about, you know, Social Security and Medicaid or, and, and the debt. Right. Republicans are like, uh, we don't really give a damn what y'all think. Uh, so they talked all this stuff, debt, debt, debt. When Obama was there, Trump comes in, jacked up the debt. Oh, I don't hear jack from Congressman Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan and the Freedom Caucus about debt. Nothing. Because their whole deal is, they're thinking, you know what? It's a good bet Trump's going to lose. Y'all Democrats, y'all got to deal with the debt. And all of a sudden, it's going be, to become a big issue. This is why, again, I said it yesterday, I'll say it again today. Democrats win in November. Whoever is the president and Democrats take back the Senate, they should give the finger to every Republican who Absolutely. opens their mouth. Absolutely. Mm. If they say anything about the debt, that's right. right. About judges That's right. or anything else. Like, ah, right, y'all done said damn thing for four years. You get the hand, go to hell. I don't want to hear nothing. I, would, I wouldn't let them talk in a, in a hearing or nothing because they said nothing. And what Trump is doing, right. and the problem is, there are some clueless, ignorant black people out there. <laughs> the people walking around with these red MAGA hats falling for it. Uh, I, got, I got these fools in my Twitter timeline. Like, oh, how great <laughs> and wonderful uh, their life is. The reality is this here. If you have a business where you do have multiple employees, and I can, I can say that, I'm like, oh, my God, tax cut was great for us. But the bottom line is this here. Do are, Is it helping a wide variety of people? Right. The Trump economy is not a boon to black people. No. It it's, simply isn't. It isn't a boon to business. The reason the... Mm. The oh, reason the, 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 the... All the, business... All business. Break it down. The reason the numbers of employment were slowing is because new firm formation was falling. New business creation was falling. Why does it fall? It falls because how do I get a business, grow a business? I need customers. I need more customers. And then I need more customers. So if 187 million American households are getting a raise, that's 187 million people who didn't have the money before, right. who suddenly wake up and say, I have more money. What should I do with it? Yeah. And that's when you as a business person say, I got an idea <laughs> of what you can do with it. Right. But if you wake up and it's 1%, not 187 million households, is 1 million households who wake up and say, I got more money. This is a, that's a different world. First yeah. off, the 1 million that we're talking about 
are Isaiah Trump. So it's not, yeah. it's not. They're not coming to your tailor shop. At all. Exactly. They're going to the sweatshop in China. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. Come on. And so this doesn't help me if I'm trying to start a business. Yeah. And so, yeah. and so how do I start or how do I grow my business? If I can't, if I can't get new customers, if new people aren't coming <coughs> around, that means I have to take your customers. My God. And in order for me to take your customer, I got to cut my prices to beat your price. So now, how do I do that? One, I can discount, and we have seen thousands of yeah. retailers close yeah. because oh, yeah. I can discount once. Mm-hmm. I might discount twice. Mm-hmm. If I discount five times, I'm out of business. Right. And these retailers are closing because there's a <coughs> limit to being able to do that. Well, look, I've talked... Look, uh, the we're at the lowest number in a very long time of black McDonald operators. Mm. What did I hear from the past decade from many of those brothers and sisters? They kept saying when McDonald's corporate would issue this edict in terms of the dollar menus, they were like, yo, we can't make money. And me, the store owner said, we're responsible for also having to refurbish our stores. Right. And so they're saying, I, and then very few black McDonald operators owned 50 or 100 different stores. Yeah, white McDonald operators who did. And so you get this whole issue that they're saying, look, you, you're forcing us to have this dollar menu. It, do understand, if it goes from a buck 69 to a dollar, that's 69 cents times a thousand customers. That money's coming out of my pocket. And so when you talk about price cuts, and I've been, I've been saying this for decades. Uh, I love it when people talk about you know, Walmart's slogan is low, low prices. And people run around and tell me, oh, uh, Walmart should be paying their workers more. This is unfair. But guess what? If you as a consumer keep demanding, I want low, low prices and I want it cheaper, the money is going to come from somewhere. Yeah. And so, why did Levi's leave, stop making uh, jeans in San Francisco mm. and went overseas? Mm. Because American, American tax, American buyers didn't want to pay 45 bucks for a pair of jeans. Come on. They wanted to pay $19.99. Come on. And guess what? A company, if you want to pay $19.99, I'm going to go to a place where I'm paying somebody 35 cents or a buck a day to make it. Yeah, but see, all all of that is driven because if for a long time you freeze the customer base, you force the companies to that. And it isn't so much that Americans don't want American-made jeans... If I don't keep getting a raise, how do I pay for my stuff? Precisely. Right. And and so here's the thing. When we were doing the minimum wage bill in the House, which the House passed. Yes. The House has passed the $15 minimum wage for the whole country. We have business owners who said, look, I got eight workers. I have 40,000 customers. Do I want my 40,000 customers to have more money? 40,000 customers have more money. Or do I worry about these eight people i got to pay more money to? Right. I want my customers to have more money because that's more money for me to get. But they start making the argument that, oh, no, i got to pay more to my eight employees and never brought the customers up, Greg. No, I was just going to ask a bill. I mean, because, you know, one of the... One of the very important roles you play with the AFL-CIO is helping us understand how this translates into policy changes. How do we attack this from a policy level, man? Because this thing is going... This extreme inequality is going to tear this country apart. It will tear the country apart because it's going to freeze the economy. Yes. It slows the growth. That's why... Look, 
You got unemployment at 3%. How come you don't see automobile manufacturing through the roof? How come home sales aren't through the roof? At 3% unemployment, this should be child's play to sell a car. Right. Everybody, has, everybody has a job. Why don't they just flood around saying, I want a car? They can't afford it. Can't afford Bruh, it. do you realize how, do you know, I cannot even explain to you <laughs> in the past year how many text messages I get and they, they, not only that, they text my sister, they text my mama, they call a <laughs> daddy, trying to buy my house. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. No question. Really crazy. And, and I'm like, no, I ain't selling. Take me off your damn list. Right. And I was sitting, and, and, and I'm going, like, all of a it really started about a year ago. And I'm going, what? Like, how in the hell all of a sudden? I mean, I'm talking about, like, it was like every day. I'm like, first, behind the hell y'all got my phone number. <laughs> but what, what's happening is housing starts. You do not have enough housing stock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what these investor groups are doing they're buying whatever they is get. they're buying, knowing full well that if you want to sit here and buy my house for $190,000, $200,000, you're going to turn that bad boy around and sell that sucker for $232,000, $42,000, So they're trying to accumulate, accumulate uh, a housing stock. Right. I mean, they, I, I get text messages and calls every single day, and I'm going, what is causing this? And that's what's happening. But the extreme yeah. inequality is what I'm saying. I mean, when we heard Eric, when you're talking about homelessness, I mean, but the people are still having babies and people got to live somewhere. That's why I ask in terms of a policy fix, is this about re, uh, reinstating the tax cuts that were given? Is this about redistributing the no, federal tax revenue? You, 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 you cannot exacerbate the inequality. So you, right, that's so, what I'm hearing wrong. So, so those tax cuts have to be repealed. Okay. Right. So, okay. so people forget markets are markets. If you're going to drive everything by a market, nothing, nothing in the market equation guarantees that everybody can afford it. In fact, precisely the opposite, right? The market clears for diamonds. Everybody can't afford a diamond. Right. A house is no different. Mm -hmm. A house is no different. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just because it's a market doesn't mean when the market price comes in, everybody can afford it any more than everybody can right. afford a diamond. So you need government. That guy yelling you, at Elizabeth you, Warren doesn't you, understand. The state you, has to play a role. It has to play a role, but before we were deluded because we were a middle-income country in the sense that, huh. that 60% of the income was in the middle three quintiles. So what does that mean? That means that the bulk of the money to buy a house, it's in the middle. So if I'm building a house, I build for Houses where the money for the middle. Is. For the middle. <laughs> Not four and five and six hundred thousand dollar exactly. houses. Wait, exactly. Condos. Right. Oh, right. Condos. Four, five, six hundred thousand dollar condos. Not even four houses. Yeah. Right. So right. so now, yeah. now over half the income is in the top ten percent. My God. That means that's where the money is, mm -hmm. and they are the market. And, so, and the top ten percent ain't buying houses. Because they already bought it. Exactly. And, and, and the only home they want, right, is the home that me and the top 10% want. Right. And if I'm building homes, that's who I'm building it for. And then what happened because of the home foreclosure crisis, when the federal government bailed out those banks, mm -hmm. the banks, remember, toxic assets, mm -hmm. then they went, oh, hell, we can do whatever we want with the money. Shore up our bottom line, 
we're going to hold on to these homes. And then what did they do? They sold lots of 25 and 30,000 homes yep. to hedge funds and private equity. And those folks ain't selling the homes. Nope. They're making folks become renters. Yep. So people are actually paying more to rent those homes than what they will be paying to actually pay a mortgage. And they sitting here making off like a fat rat because you ain't got a choice because you can't buy a home elsewhere because you can't afford that expensive house. And so so this this whole, so we bail their trifling asses out. They turn around, did nothing with those assets and now are making money off people being renters. And so what is happening is that's why you got this weird thing happening now where folks are, they're complaining about the Ubers of the world, but people are saying, I can't afford to buy a car. Okay, I can't afford to park anywhere. I can't afford to park in downtown because it's too much. And so we are essentially a country that if you are not 100,000 or more, <laughs> you are absolutely screwed. And to your point, you have to look at the, just the pure numbers. If that represents only 10, 15% of the population, what you gonna do with the other 80, 85? This is the question. This exactly. is the question. And I need, that's exactly. and Trump and his tax policies don't give a damn about those people. And that's why all these red states run people running around. I'm like, y'all, 10% of Wisconsin dairy farmers have declared bankruptcy. Yep. I'm like, so your life is better under Trump than it was Obama? We handed out $30 billion in, in welfare to farmers. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And Trump says... It, he might do another $50 because he's basically buying their votes. Well, this is the problem. Last point, go ahead. But it's the problem when you collapse the middle income. So, yeah, it's hard to be a dairy farmer because those are the people who buy the milk, and you've already squeezed them. So, yeah, they're going to have problems. You, you cannot have this level of inequality, and you can't sustain it. Right. This debt... Also, real quick... You talk about the milk thing? Mm -hmm. and I know some may be thinking, well, it makes no sense. The cereal companies are now in trouble. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Because you can't afford milk. <laughs> Ain't nobody eating no damn uh, cornflakes and water. Well, Michael Irvin and them, you do it in South Florida. <laughs> no, but, 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 it, but, but it's right. one of those things no that people don't understand. Don't understand it. If you can't afford milk and you stop buying milk, you're not going to buy cereal. No. And no cereal companies are complaining about Guess what? They're losing dollars <laughs> because folks ain't buying cereal. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And, and so we can't, as a country, do it. This student debt is key to understanding the whole inequality thing. Uh. Because when you say the colleges are going to be driven by tuition, that means who has money. That's right. right. So I'm going to run my university for the people who have money. There you go. And what will the tuition be? what the people who have money can afford. So there's no surprise that at the University of Michigan, more students are from the top 1%. This is a huge university, the University uh, of Michigan. Right. More students from the top 1% than the bottom 40%. Jesus. There's a reason for that. And that, and that, and that if it continues, mm -hmm. further exacerbates income inequality. Exactly. Because you're not giving folks in the middle and lower classes an opportunity to be able to get those degrees to be able to put themselves in a different tax bracket in the next generation. And you already played the debt trick. You can't get people to do a trillion dollars in debt again. 
You no. can't. It's not possible. Right. Nope. It's not possible. Right. Dr. Bill Spriggs, we appreciate it. Thanks for breaking it down for us. Right. This Perfect. is why we have this show, because <laughs> trust me, you're not going to hear this conversation on CNBC Mm-mm. or Bloomberg Anyone. or Fox Business, that's right. uh, because that's just, the, that's just the real deal there. We appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Mm-hmm. Got to go to break. We're going to come back. We'll talk to a woman who uh, dealt with cyberbullying and how she won. Also, a brother started his own black apparel company. Remember the, remember the sneakers I showed you last week? Well, he's here, uh, and they do more than sneakers. We'll talk to him as well. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. You want to support Roland Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Imagine going online one morning and finding personal photos posted that you didn't even know existed. That's what happened to my next guest. Uh, she's here to tell her story uh, in an award-winning documentary. It's called Fifty Shades of Silence. Here is a snippet. My life was completely changed in a swipe. It felt more my naked body exposed for the world to see. I'm so afraid. I'm so unsure. It's so vulnerable. My ex-boyfriend began texting me nude photos that he had taken of me while I was asleep, and then he loaded them onto a website, exposing my private parts, inviting my family and business colleagues to view them, violating me. I was cyber-raped. Revenge porn, cyber stalking, and cyber harassment uh, has become the new normal in a society obsessed with social media. Too often, people have found that there's very little they can do about it. Dareth Chisholm joins us now to tell us how she fought back and won and how anyone can do the same. Dareth, glad to have you here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Um, look, people are in relationships. People are they men and women. and uh, they, audio. They, uh, can you hear me? Dareth, can you hear me? All right, so she, um, uh, so please fix her. All right, so fix her audio. So let's do this here. Uh, so let me know when her audio is fixed. What I want to do is right now I'm going to bring in my next guest. Let's go ahead uh, and seat him, please. Uh, I told you last week, folks, I was uh, I showed you these uh, shoes I had on. Uh, Greg Carr, of course, he tried to uh, yeah. steal them from me. Uh, he tried to steal me. Uh, and he, 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 he tried. He tried. He tried to take them from me. Uh, so I want to. I want to put up. So this here is a. Uh, this is a uh, photo. Uh, this is a photo of uh, the three pair of shoes I was sent. Uh, and, uh, and again, so I want to go ahead and uh, talk to uh, my guest here. And I'm going to go back to Darius uh, in just one moment. So uh, for, for you tell me we have Darius, okay? So just hold t- So Darius, are you there? 
I'm here, Roland. Okay, Hi. now we got you. Now we got you. So uh, I'll talk Great. about the footwear company uh, after the interview with you. So first and foremost, um, uh, a lot of people are in relationships. They date people. They uh, they sex. They send photos, things along those lines, and they never think uh, that when the relationship is over, that person will break that trust and break that circle and and just and post their stuff online. Uh, is that what happened to you? Were you hacked? How did um, these personal images of you uh, then get placed out uh, in the world? Yeah, so they were taken without my knowledge and my consent. I lived with uh, an ex-boyfriend in Jamaica for several months, and he had been secretly taking photos and videos of me while I was asleep. So you had, so you, so unlike people who are posing for the photos, you had no idea. No idea. And in addition to that, he also took other photos and videos and he created harassing memes and additional content. And he did this all with the intent to do what he called silence and destroy me when I decided to leave the relationship. Wow. Um, how did you first discover that these images of you were out there uh, in the public space? Yeah, so he called me on New Year's morning. Uh, this has been now three years ago and uh, said that he would shoot me in my head and stab me in my heart if I didn't return to the re relationship. And when I wouldn't return his phone calls and I continued to ask him to please leave me alone, two and a half weeks later, I pick up my cell phone and I look at a text message over WhatsApp that had a video that was strung together with all of these photos and videos that he had been taking of me. And uh, he said, this is going out on social media if you don't call me back and if you don't move back and come back to this relationship. That went on for several months. And then in March of that year, he put up a website with all the photos and videos that he'd been taking. He called many of my coaching clients, uh, previous friends and family members and walked them all to this website that had all of this uh, very damaging and explicit videos of me. How did you fight back against him? Obviously, you were shocked and stunned. Uh, so how did you uh, respond? Well, I mean, obviously, anyone dealing with this is emotionally distraught. And because it was going on for several months with the continued threats, you know, I was constantly asking him to remove it, and he wouldn't. And obviously, it escalated on his part to putting up the website. I could not get GoDaddy and Google to shut the website down. They, in fact, told me to go get a court order, so I pursued those legal means. It took me 11 months, 13 trips to the courthouse just to get the judge to create the language that I needed to force GoDaddy and Google to shut the website down. In the interim, I uh, got what's called a DMCA takedown notice, Digital Millennial Copyright Act, which we were able to use to have the website shut down, even though his threats continued. While that was going on in the U.S., I began working with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security investigators in the U.S. Embassy in Jamaica to bring charges against him. And it took us about two years, but I was able to successfully win the first case under their Cyber, Cyber Crimes Act, Malicious Communications Act. And he pled guilty to three of the six counts he faced and was sentenced to two years hard labor in prison and $1 million J.A. So you decided to do a documentary on this. Um, and what led to that? Well, I mean, part of it was I couldn't figure out what to do with this. And, you know, while I knew that 
when this first happened, I didn't even know it was called revenge porn or that there was anyone else going through this. And as I began to pick myself back up and realize what can I do about it, I decided to use my voice and my story and my platform. I mean, I do have a 30-year career in television as a news anchor, but I've never filmed a documentary. So I just decided that I would start documenting my own story, and then I went out and began interviewing other victims, advocates, educators, and two years later, I was able to put together a documentary that is now being screened in film festivals worldwide, and I'm happy to say picking up a couple of awards, but I didn't do it with the intent to do that. I really wanted to create something that would be educational, that would bring awareness to this issue, and hopefully help people to understand the need for some federal legislation so that we can toughen the state laws and go after these these criminals. Can I ask you, first of all, thank you so much. I mean, just the exhibition of courage, I would be, I, I can't even imagine. The fact that you were able to pursue and get this uh, conviction in Jamaica, you know, what do we face here domestically in the United States? Is there anything even comparable to that type of lawsuit or action that could take... That, that could happen here in the U.S. I mean, you had the option, obviously, because there was there was a relationship that was involved Jamaica. But what what can happen to people here in the United States if it's just domestic here in the states? That's a great question, and I think part of what the the challenge is is that first off, this crime is called so many different things: revenge porn, cybersexual assault, non-consensual pornography, image abuse. It's very misunderstood. And some states have no laws. Some states see this as a misdemeanor with like a $500 slap on the no. hand. And in many cases, people who have suffered through this level of embarrassment and shame have their careers ruined. Some people contemplate suicide and commit suicide. So, you know, the perpetrators can continue to do this. And once this stuff is out there, we know it's really hard to get back. Uh, and victims really, they, they spiral into depression and spiral into shame, which is part of the reason why I really wanted to make sure that people understand that ending this silence is, is really a first step for victims, but then giving them voice and dignity is important. What we're, we've been fighting for is a federal bill, and currently there are two uh, federal or pieces of legislation that uh, right now are being considered. One is called the Enough Act by... Uh, 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 Senator um, Kamala Harris, and then the other one is from Congresswoman Jackie Speer called the SHIELD Act. If either one of those were to pass, we would at least have a federal law in place yes. that hopefully would put some teeth in what the, the states have, which, as I said, they're, they're flimsy at best in terms of, um, of real uh, persecution. So just want to first um, start off by saying um, definitely want to applaud you uh, for your courage and for your bravery. Um, and mm -hmm. just reading your story really did evoke uh, a lot of emotion. And so you noted that you had coaching clients. Have you been able to utilize your experience, you mentioned your documentary, in a way to coach and teach people who may be unfortunately experiencing revenge porn, cyberbullying as well? Yeah, you know, I was first off able to utilize some of my own coaching skills to get through this. I mean, I've never faced anything as challenging uh, as humiliating, as embarrassing as this. And, and I, you know, what I was trying to protect was my public persona, my years in television and my career. But on a personal side, it obviously was stripping me away of all of my sense of dignity. In the documentary, I really wanted to not only showcase my own story and struggle and how I was able to overcome it, but the other brave and strong women who I interviewed. 
You know, I also had the opportunity to speak with, you know, other people who, who work in this space, those people who've actually crafted the bills that we're right now considering in the House and the Senate, as well as, you know, the, um, uh, the educators and even a, a, a psychologist to talk about the mindset of both the victim and the person who's committing these crimes. So I want it very much to bring all of that into place, but I also wanted it to be a piece of empowerment and not something that was, you know, my sense of retaliation to what happened to me. You know, I filmed the documentary two and a half years ago. I hadn't even won my case. I just won the case. But the, the, uh -huh. the, the documentary was really done with the intent to give voice and dignity to victims and uh, help people understand what they're going through, but also to encourage them to be strong and to get through it. Do you have any recommendations of uh, resources or tools that uh, people could seek or use if they're going through this? Absolutely. At my website, 50shadesofsilence.com, we've put together a comprehensive list of resources and support, both for, you know, victims who are going through it, especially if there are any children. We've got a seven steps that you can follow if it happens to you, some immediate things that you want to do. And there's even some support if, um, you know, people are contemplating suicide or, or definitely need some professional help. So we've included that and a way for people to share their stories and get additional support. All right, Thelma Chisholm, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for sharing your story, and hopefully uh, and uh, it will help someone based upon what I'm seeing from folks who are commenting as, we, as we're live on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. They certainly are. So thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. We'll talk to a uh, black apparel owner. Uh, that's next, Roland Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, the Congressional Black Caucus, they are calling for a national emergency meeting of black leadership. It is called the Future of Black America, a call to action. It's a two-day conference taking place February 3rd and February 4th. Now, February 3rd will be taking place uh, at the Hyatt Regency, Washington, uh, Capitol Hill. On February 4th, it will be taking place in the auditorium the Visitor Center on Capitol Hill. Their goal, of course, is to have a variety of plenary sessions and workshops covering key issues impacting African Americans. Uh, those will include discussing issues, strategies, uh, and the work needed in various communities dealing with the census, but also the 2020 election. And for more information on this, uh, you can go to cbc.house.gov forward slash 2020 summit, cbc.house.gov forward slash 2020 summit. I'm going to be moderating one of the sessions on February 3rd. Also, Roller Martin Unfiltered is going to be live streaming both days, February 3rd and February 4th. That's one of the reasons why we created this platform. So we certainly thank uh, Chairwoman Karen Bass for re reaching out to us uh, to assist in this. And so it is a two-day national emergency meeting call to action for national African-American leadership. Uh, that summit taking place February 3rd and February 4th. So please, folks, for more information, go to cdc.house.gov forward slash 2020 summit. All right, folks, uh, I got to do this here before I go to my next guest. Santor Thomas of Detroit is filing a second lawsuit. Uh, first of all, before I even go there, please, by all means. No, the are alive. Not a new oh, 
white. I got you, bro. Uh, um, illegally selling water without a permit on my property. Sandra Thomas of Detroit, okay, he's, he's filed his lawsuit. Well, here's what happened, okay? The brother had uh, filed a racial discrimination lawsuit against his former employer, okay? He gets a settlement. He then goes to TCF Bank in Liv Livonia to cash the check. They refuse to cash <laughs> or deposit the check. What do these white folks do? They call the cops to initiate a fraud investigation. Guess what Thomas doing? Suing a trifling ass <laughs> for race discrimination, saying the bank mistreated and humiliated him by calling four police officers when all he was doing was de depositing a legitimate check. Now, according to the police, the bank's computer system read the checks as fraudulent. <laughs> Y'all, he didn't walk in there with a publisher's clearinghouse check. <laughs> right. Tom Winterberg said that TCF <laughs> abhors racism and it was not a factor in how the bank handled Thomas's request. He said the checks Thomas presented displayed a watermark that read void when they were scanned in a web viewer. Now, that must be something, Greg, to have a racial discrimination settlement. Bro. <laughs> And bro. now you about to have a second race discrimination settlement? Come on, bro. Man, this brother hit the lottery twice. <laughs> Man, I mean, what blew my mind was when he sat down and then the, the, the sister was like, well, I will go back. Let me go back and check. And she didn't even go back to check. Right. She went directly to call the police. She did. He gave her the number of his lawyer, said, call. This is, he did everything. This right. and, and what he said was, I'm just going to remain calm because I know if I go off in here, I'm going to jail. Erica, I don't understand. <laughs> how hard is it to say, sir, this is the issue that we have. Yes. This is the check. This watermark that's on the check is prohibiting us. It is telling us that blah, 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 blah. How is it that your first reaction, and this always happens with black people, mm -hmm. the first reaction is to call a popo? Oh, and if that was the true account, this brother had three checks. The two larger checks he asked for those checks to be deposited into his account. The smaller check is the one that he wanted cash. And so this is what I have an issue with in Tom's statement. <laughs> when he talks about this man, he goes on to talk about this abhorring um, racism and discrimination, which I think that that ought to be a statement that ought to be struck from any pre-R firm, anyone that goes on the defense to talk about why they did something. Um, but Tom then goes on to say in his statement uh, how much money this man had in that account. That has nothing to do. If he put two of the larger checks into his account, that means that they're there for clearance. That means that all of the proper channels yes. have to be, you know, checked in order for that check, that money to be deposited into his account. A $13,000 check is the one that he actually wanted cash. And so I'm having a hard time with a black man walking into a banking establishment, mm. having four police officers to then interrogate him when it was none of their damn business in the first place, wanting legal documents that's none of their damn business anyway, something that had nothing to do with them, and he's saying that this is happening to me. I am a veteran. I have mm. stood mm. for a country that has not stood for me. Mm. I am black. Had I been white, this would not have even been happening. He was not arrested. No charges were filed. 
But he knew that the intimidation tactics that were employed on him, had he not kept his cool, like you said, Dr. Yeah. Carr, yeah. it could have been a whole different scenario. Yeah. So this kind of, like, rigmarole and right. brother is going to get paid again, it, <laughs> it, it, it really just makes no sense. This is, this is the black... We, we know it's with no black people at the bank. Let me tell you something. Tom really <laughs> going up for racism after that next check that we can cut. <laughs> <laughs> He's really going up for racism. All I'm saying is, white Don't people in Michigan, y'all better put his picture up because he's going to be collecting. <laughs> if y'all, let, me tell you, let me tell you, if, if Homeboy's going to cash a $13,000 check, he about to be a, probably cashing a $100,000 check from this bank guy. But, but didn't, he, didn't he take the checks and go to the other bank? I mean, he went to another but, bank but and just thing, put the but, checks but the to, thing, to Eric's point. Yeah, the, the thing is this. It was that branch. But It was that branch. But the thing is this. There are uh, there are safeguards in place when it comes to tech, you know, tech fraud. No but the most important thing is this: you got is you got him on camera. You got a copy of his ID. You have every piece of information. He on gave it. you his it, lawyer's phone number. He gave, phone he, he gave you the lawyer's they, phone hold on, number. Hold on, a brother like, don't. It, it's the same as a brother <laughs> who got 12 years uh, in prison with a cell phone in Mississippi. Ain't nobody who trying to do wrong gonna give your ass the phone to charge you <laughs> if they thought it was, was illegal. illegal. That's right. That's just how crazy it is. But I keep telling you, right. I appreciate all you crazy-ass white people for what y'all do. First of all, I want y'all keep messing with black people. Y'all gonna get fired. That means <laughs> that we can apply for your jobs. And so y'all keep doing this. We're gonna keep suing and gonna keep getting paid. So I'm just trying to say, y'all wanna keep doing it. And so some of y'all out there keep asking me, especially these crazy, some, what were them foolish black Republicans like? Uh, what if that was a segment called Crazy Ass Black People? That's called mainstream media. Come on, That's right. Come on. Uh oh. Come on. This is unfiltered time. Man. Come on. Uh -oh. That's right. Yeah, that's 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 you don't have Malik and Deontay tweeting your way, sir. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Bring your ass, Deontay. Bring your ass. That's right. So you don't like crazy ass white people segment? Tell white people, stop being crazy. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, so again, I talked about uh, this uh, last week. My next guest, uh, I showed you. Uh, I was I was on social media, uh, and uh, I was talking about a variety of issues. And uh, I know uh, somebody in Atlanta who knows uh, my next guest. He was telling me about this uh, about this shoe company. And mm -hmm. so uh, they sent me three pairs of shoes. And Tariq Edmondson, he founded the Gas Footwear, and the new line is designed to empower customers with the purpose of teaching self love, self respect and self-confidence. Uh, so uh, glad to have you here on the show. Yes, so, sir. So, 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 so when did you start uh, the, this apparel company? Uh, in uh, 2015, it took me a year to find the shoes. The idea was a year before, you know, we would get beat. Uh, we would send out the money for the shoes, and, you know, it was a fictitious company. Wow. So I had to finally learn how to just go to China. And like I'd say, the people that's the young kids, I Frank Lucas, that part of the game. Hey. Oh. We, went, <laughs> we went straight to the connect. So why did you go to China to have your shoes made? Because China, a lot of times people ask me about Africa, but what we got to remember about Africa, they got their foot up uh, behind in Africa just like they do here in America. So it's not a lot of places. Now I found now Ethiopia, but China is the go-to place for like Nike, uh, uh, Reeboks, uh, Fila. So I had, when I went in there, Everlasting, I saw all of those out there. Because I visited a few. I went on a little tour. I got a visa, a travel visa, business visa to come into the country. They picked me up, took me to the hotel, and they took me around. Any consideration of having them made here in the United States? 
Yes, that's a, a possibility, but at the moment, it's not what we could do. But we're definitely looking towards that. We're looking to go public. I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. We're going to do what Obama with the Main Street, Wall Street, the Main Street, crowd, equity crowdfunding, bring our people in on the Marcus Garvey side of the game. You understand what I'm saying? Where we can have shares and dividends put allocated out to our people in that way. Same thing with the colleges. We want to be able to step to the colleges, make shoes for them, give two-thirds of the proceeds back to the schools, you know, because this is a labor of love and for our people more than it is anything else. Because, you know, when I was thinking, what's the historians going to say 200 years of, of, uh, in the future about what did we do 50 years after Brown versus the Board of Education, 50 years after the Voters' Right Act, what did we do? So when you look at Nike, you see that's the, that's a, the name of a, a, a goddess, a Greek goddess, you know, that was edified by, and then we stand in line for it, and you look at Reebok, and you see that that's, that's our oppressor. So everywhere you look, we wearing our oppressors mm. gear. We're not going to beat us up about it because we, we so fresh, but we do have to start to uh, wear our own attire again. You know, it's like I said to young kids, it's like going to jail a man getting knocked out. And then when you wake up, you got lipstick on, and they tell you you're a girl. And you go for that. And then not only do you go for it, you wear the gear that they tell you to wear when you now have choices. You know, the rappers don't call our names. They, they, they call everybody else's name. But we're here to change that. Another thing. And see, that's, that's the thing that, that I, I've consistently said to people. Because first of all, let's just be clear. There are, you mentioned, mentioned a lot of these rappers. First of all, a lot of them have got, done shout-outs to companies mm. and weren't even getting paid. Right. Pastor Cavazzieri. That right. Busta Rhymes started That's one. And, that's right. one. And Louis Vuitton gone. And again, I'm just... It, right. to, me, is, to me, it's real basic uh, how you talk about how do you use your existing resources and then, and then how do you, in terms of uh, 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 building capacity. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just really what it boils down to. Master P, uh, when him and his sons uh, announced uh, you know, the sneaker company, they, they were launching. Right. And their whole deal, was, they were talking about trying to sign Zion to a deal. I think yeah. he eventually signed yeah. with Nike. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's sort of the same thing. And when you think back, and a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, Tim Brown mm-hmm. played for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. People don't realize Tim had his own sneaker mm-hmm. company. Right. Now, the NFL would not allow him to wear his own sneakers mm-hmm. because it was not one of the official right. uh, companies of the NFL, but Tim had his own sneaker line all the years he played in the NFL. That's all right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's one to grow on. But, but yeah. so help me, because, I mean, I, I get, as Roland said, I get the China initially, because that's where the market is. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, with the vision of coming back here or connecting with a black, whether it be Africa, Caribbean, or black owned here. So I know that's that building toward that. Right. But how do we break, and how are you imagining breaking the mentality of our people? Because I think about Stefan Marbury. Right. Who, of course, became, had a whole new career in China, that's but who right. tried to market a very inexpensive athletic shoe. 15 bucks and got trashed. And got trashed. Right. And in fact, I never forget, I think it was 2020. I, can't, I think it was 2020. I remember seeing this segment. And they went to a, 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 a professor at a university uh, who was an expert on textiles and the shoes. Right. And they did a deconstruction. And so they basically took apart a pair of Nikes, and they took apart a pair of Starberries. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he went through, and he, sh- he took, literally took the shoes apart mm-hmm. and showed the seal, arch support, showed uh, the thickness, the sole, all this sort of stuff. And he said the only difference between this Nike and the Starberry, he said, is literally 
that box and the logo. He said, so y'all are paying an extra hundred dollars <laughs> for the box. There it is. And he broke it, broke it down. And and but but there were people who laughed Stephon Marbury oh, no out. Question. No and question. that was and that was just, and so how have folks responded to you? Have they said, man, why you gotta have this red, black, and green? Why can't you do this in other colors? Yeah, we hear that. Why you gotta do that? And the first thing I tell them is that we had a chance to do uh, like the other guys that came before us, like uh, cross colors, no roots to it. You know, as far in terms of name, historically speaking, uh, Sean Jean. It's like as if we don't have uh, no background. So I know. I didn't have no name. I'm not no rapper, none of this. So I said the thing that to come to the people where it come from, where our ancestors, you know, uh, edified them with Marcus Garvey. You know, he that's where he represented, where we had the Black Star Line and we put our nickels and dimes together to make this thing happen. Because when we started, you know, I just lost everything in the real estate uh, bubble at the time. So when I was... But I bounced back. My daughter had told me how big uh, social media was. So I was like, Tasi, it's a time now that you can do your thing, girl. Get out here and make it. You know, and she was like, oh, yeah. I said, yeah. She said, well, won't you do something then? And that's, then I said, hmm. I said, okay, I'm going to So do what does something. the name mean? And the guy says, ancient Amharic. Yeah. Uh, for kings. Yeah. Ethiopian. Uh, yeah, Ethiopian. Um, I read the book, Capital in the Gas, which kind of goes the story of uh, of Solomon and how he came to the planet. So it's like the red pill in the movie The Matrix. You understand? If you swallow that blue pill and you look up this name, you're going to find a lot about yourself and you'll fall in love with not only uh, our, the uh, heritage that belong to us, but also the people who brought it to you. So that's what that's about. So, can you tell us a little bit about the shoe price point? Um, okay, well, the, the shoes that he just showed, we call those the uh, Marcus Garvey UNIAs for you know, you know, United Negro Improvement Association. Yes, sir. And then we have the red, black, and green that represent, of course, and that's $99. Uh, some of them, we go with Nike, the ones that they sell in the Air Vapors. We remixed it because a lot of times people don't realize the law and we so caught up. Like when we have a suit, now I have on a suit, it might be a P.A.L.S., you might have on a Vera Wang, so on and so forth, but it's still a jacket and a pair of pants. Come on, man. You know, it's a cotton come from a plant. Come on. Leather come from a cow See. and rubber from a tree. See. So you I'm, understand on, I'm, so I'm, I'm on your site right now, sneakerscustom.com, and so Henry, go to my uh, go to my iPhone. Th these are some of the... Uh, ADOS. You know, we try to keep our hand on the post. These are some of the coats that you have yeah. uh, here uh, and all also, there are some of the uh, shirts. You also have uh, socks here as well. Um, now, you realize red, black, and green, the ADOS ain't gonna get with that, brother. They said they're descendants of slaves. I know, and we, <laughs> we service that, everybody. That's slavery mentality. We, we now, I got you. Yeah, yeah, see, that's our problem as a people oh, wait, now. Wait, you and I star jumpers, now I, could, I yeah. can rock with that. Yeah, that's the you and I star jumpers, you know. You to I see the arc on the side. Yeah, yeah, we, we have to represent, that? and then we name, you know, we got the Nat Turners. We oh, oh, we oh wait, 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 you got the Nat Turners? Yeah, with Nat Turners. So you're the boosters of Nat Turners with the gold right in the back. And we, they coming. They come and then we got the running shoe that's Nat with Nat on the... Did I send you those, Rose? Oh, I probably uh, was out of that. They don't need no running shoes. The running <laughs> shoes. No, but you know, that's because the, the culture... And we talking yeah. about this today in class, I teach a hip-hop class, and the young people, we were talking about the fact that 
black people between athletes and hip hop turned Nike from a running shoe company when I was a kid yeah. to a fit, and then turned around, turned Adidas from a literally playing tennis, which is where right. tennis shoes come from, to that. And so, and remember, Patrick Ewing had his own line. Yeah, how how could you, if you can capture a couple of celebrities, brother, have you have you thought about reaching out to some of these people? Yeah, I reached those out kicks to... make it on one video or in the right product placement. The whole thing could turn. We were, exactly. So we, we uh, John Sally got in touch with us. Okay. You know, he wants to do some some things for the vegan market. These are the Nat Turner boots you're talking about. Go ahead. Right. He wanted to do that, and um, we've been reaching out every rapper. You know, they had like we invisible because they, you know, they they you know they caught up too. Yeah, brother. So you know that's an uphill okay. battle. But okay. the thing is, we keep fighting. Yes, sir. We plant the seed and we keep working. Yes, you know, sir. and it's going to change. Yes, sir. You know, as we was called to do this work, and we know that uh, mm -hmm. our people' mind is going in a different direction. That's true. And we're not just building for us today. We're building it for our people. All right. So Lloyd future. Kirkendall asked that's this true. question. Roland, please ask how long. See, oh, before. Oh, boy. Don't do it. Don't do it, <laughs> Uh-oh. Wait. Okay, I'm going to ask this question, okay. but then I'm going to say something, then I'm going to let you answer. All right, all right. Okay, so Lloyd Kirkendall, Roland, please <laughs> ask how long it takes to get here. I don't want to wait 30 days. Okay, put the camera on me. <laughs> all right. I'm going to need black people stop allowing white supremacy to dictate their thoughts when we talk about black companies. See, Lloyd, your question should have been, if I order a pair of shoes, can I get them expressed to me overnight, two-day, three-day? Why is it that your first assumption is that it might take you 30 days to get a pair of shoes? Hmm. You are literally saying without saying that this black company is less than another company. I've been telling y'all this for the longest on this show. I told y'all when I was on the panel in Cincinnati uh, at Cincinnati, uh, uh, Cincinnati Music Festival, and we're on the panel, and there's one brother who thought he was being supportive of me. He was on the panel. He said, uh, you know, we got to support Roland Martin and Roland Martin Unfiltered. And then he said it might not look as good as CNN. I said, stop. My shit look good. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The fact, Lord, that you literally even... in, in Yeah, you damn right. I see you sorry. I asked the wrong way. No, Lloyd. You actually <laughs> asked the way a whole bunch of black people ask. Right. And so we need to stop automatically assuming right. that with a black company, the products will come late. I'm sure he about to answer, Lloyd, that if you want to pay extra to get these shoes the next damn day, hmm. if you click shop now, Come it on. probably has that option. Come on, brother. Yeah. If you want to get it in two day or three day, yeah. it probably has that option. Good. There yeah. are many products, Lloyd, that I buy from Amazon or others, and it says uh, next day, two day, or even ground shipping. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to need black people to stop making assumptions about black-owned businesses, yep. and you already are starting from a white premise yep. that what is black is less than. Yes. Now you can answer. <laughs> Lord, well, I just want the shoes, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I get my shoes today, Thanks brother? to the people <laughs> that supported us in the beginning, we can have them sneakers to you like Roland said. You know, if you want to pay the price, you know, you can have them for the next day, uh, a two-day tracking, uh, or even three-day tracking. Wow. 
Wow. There it is. So I have a question for you. So you have a lot of support here today, which yes. I think is phenomenal. Yeah. Is this a family-owned business company? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. And, and the people built it. Off of social media, the, the, the miracle of today, we started out, I said, if I could show the people I can make this one shoe, mm -hmm. they'd get behind me. And the people supported us. We'll put a shoe out. We'll go viral before Facebook start playing with the algorithms. Yeah. But we will go viral, and people will wait three, four months for their shoe because they want to see us win. I said, brother, I ain't got your shoe. Brother, I don't want my money back. Just let me know you're going to give me my shoe. Let me ask you something. 2015, you were in Atlanta. Handled us. You, in Atlanta. you came out of Atlanta. Yes, sir. I seen your shoes. Brother Ark and them boys, you came from yeah. New York. They, yeah, they wear your shoe. That's yeah. the shoe. That's the shoe. Because I asked Ark, where you get them shoes, man? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, they right. have me the I'm, best I'm cap secret for a long Eugene. time. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm ready to, you know, let's get some shoes. Yes, sir. So, uh, and so, now, uh, last question for me. Uh, okay. Any plans to uh, to do other shoes uh, in yeah. non-black and green color, black, yeah. red, and green colors, yeah. so people want just different looks or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they can actually do so? Yeah, like, we, we want to begin to start doing shoes... Uh, like, we see a, a niche in the marketplace now, like, for... There's 450 NBA players, 100 of them have deals. We're getting ready to start going at the rest of them because there's call riches in the call niches. Too, call too loud now. Call too loud. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 because... because, because also, because I understand that, mm -hmm. uh, like, for instance, uh, I cannot remember his name, but one of the players that was one athlete who played for Golden State... Mm -hmm. yes, sir. ...who he, did, he wasn't getting paid by Under Armour. Right. Um, and he was the one... Who convinced Steph Curry to go to, Under Armour. to go to Under Armour? So they were sending him product. Mm -hmm. And so, to your points, people need to understand: not all these ball players right. have deals. Right. Only a t the top I'm, third right. have actual right. shoe deals. So right. when you see, oh, Kevin Durant's getting 20, 25 million a year. Right. Uh, Derrick Rose was getting 20 million. I think it was from Adidas or Reebok. Right. Uh, the deal that Allen Iverson hit. A lot of those cats are. I mean, they they're just get. Some of them just get getting product. Right. And not a lot of product. And so that's what people I think assume. Right. But don't quite understand. Go ahead. Yeah, we're going to do a dress shoe, so we're looking oh. to get with uh, different individuals that have the social media presence that could pull that, like, uh, you know, uh, Hashim and Zinger introduced me to Mike Roberts, uh, the businessman out of... We talked to him about doing a out nice of St. Louis, yep. instead of uh, Stacey Adams. You have somebody who's a up, you know, name, and we do a lizard. We can go to Zimbabwe, get the lizard, make it done. Because, you know, like I said, we work with a lot of people, and people come to us. And they teach us. Y'all might want to do Uncle Roro. Hey, look here. I want to talk to you about that. We're going to have to do that. I got a couple of followers. Yeah, we're going to talk, bro. Make sure you get it a couple times and ask us. We can do that. That's what we do. Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 Just saying. Uh, yeah, I get you. I'll get you wow. Straight. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. We're looking to work with anybody who has a social media presence like yourself. We want to partner with people like yourself to build our board. I ain't got board. problem making money. Yeah, we <laughs> want to build our board to like get better advisors. But I to know take how us to money. overtake <laughs> Nike. Oh, yeah. The time is now. Same thing yeah. we're doing yeah. with the beats. We go right, you know, a refrigerator. We're going to do the... You know, Dre Beats, we went to Hong Kong, we found the manufacturer. That's why Apple... That's it's why not Apple, hard to do. That's what they scared of. That's why Apple bought the company. They bought Dre for they, a billion. They bought but Beats. no other rappers are doing that except Ray J. 
He got smart. Right. But we that's where we at today, where we can literally swing the president to where we have really took over the whole game if we just get out of the thought is Nike is better, white ice is better than black right. ice. At the end of the day, right. cotton come from a plant, silk from a worm. Come on, Leather man. from a cow, oh, you said rubber like from a tree. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, and all of it comes from God. So if we look to Ooh. God and keep a, keep away from our oppressors and go towards that, we're gonna be all right. Well, I, look, I'll be honest, folks. Today, again, I ain't. I mean, I'm not. I ain't getting paid by Tariq yet. Yeah, you gonna get there. We gonna make it happen. But when I put the shoe on, look, I have. I have a pair of Nikes. I got a pair of Adidas. Uh, uh, I got a pair and uh, shoes I put on and. Fit was the same, looked good, all that sort yeah, of stuff like that. Right. And so, again, that's what also happens when you're not in love right. uh, with the logo on the side. Okay. And and for some of y'all know, and uh, I, I'll, I'll show the picture uh, eventually also, uh, I have a pair. It, it was given to me by um, my man uh, Larry Harper when he was one of the executives at Nike. And this is probably about two, I was in Chicago, this probably is about 2007. It was a special edition Black History Month pair of Nike. So again, for all y'all people out there oh. who, uh, who who are talking about, you know, shoes being black and green, uh, while we're talking, I'm gonna try to find it. That was a special edition Nike they put out. Oh, and again, I'm talking about it was like 2008, 2009, something like that. Uh, Larry gave me a pair. I never wore them. I had them on my shelf because they were special edition. But I had to go to uh, Cora Berry's um, in December. Her... Um, a fundraising deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, and what happened, so, and I had, I wore one of my uh, 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 Kente outfits, and I, I didn't have shoes to wear with them, because it was a, it was a sneakers uh, and uh, sneakers and uh, formal deal. Mm. And so I was like, my wife was like, you got them Nike shoes? I never worn. So I was like, <laughs> damn, it's good as point. I do. <laughs> right. So I, I went and put those on uh, and wore them to the event, and, and, and so, so, for, so somebody says, well, you know, no, Nike did an actual uh, shoe that was black, red, black, and green. Uh -huh. It was a Black History Month special edition. So right. don't act like no. this is out of the norm. No. They did this and gave those uh, Black History Month shoes out. Right. And it's for us. I mean, Marcus Garvey gave that to us at a time when they came out with a song that said, everybody have a flag except a coon. Said right. the British got a flag. That's exactly right. Said the Irish got a oh, flag. Oh, yeah. you've been reading Garvey, brother. Said, said everybody uh -huh. got a flag except a coon. So this our flag. Yes, sir. So if we take embrace and go and turn back to that, yes. we're going to take those same tenements and, and do the same thing like what a Jay-Z doing or any other great business person like an A.G. Gaston when there was trouble in our come neighborhoods. On come, on hey, come on now. Look, come on. You yeah. got us over here. <laughs> you naming the Johns. Right. Yeah. When, the but great we, A.G. Gaston. Yeah. These are the people that we, we you falling in behind. Yes, right. sir. You understand what well, I'm saying? Somebody don't know who that is. Everybody look that up. Yeah, they got to look at the Black Titan was his book, and black I tell Titan, the young brother. kids, yeah. I get a lot of information out of the Black Enterprise magazine, and our uh, Jet magazine is where I find out about these giants. Yes, sir. That's yes, right. sir. I mean, it's and that, and that, that inspired me to do the things that I'm doing at this point in time. What's the website for your show? Uh, www.sneakers, uh, S-N-E-A-K-E-R-S, customs. Dot com. That's C U S T O M dot com. Customs with an S? No, custom singular. Okay. Okay. S C U S T O M dot com. Sneakers. Sneakers. Custom dot com. Yes, sir. You guys do custom. Yeah, we do custom. And that's the thing. We have a program where what we want to do is help with these UBC, UB, what's it? HBCU. HBCU. Where we can raise money, right? You buy your shoe. 
you, you know, proceeds go back to the school, and we know we need to do service. You know, we need to be of service to our people. So those are what. So, so those are, with our knowledge, yeah. these are the things that we decided to do. Check that young yes, brother sir. down here, Paul Quinn. They've been doing a whole lot of stuff. We over me. Michael Soros. Yeah, Michael right. Soros. Okay. Yeah, do no, that. Michael doing some great stuff down yes, there, and yes, Paul Quinn. We so. have to get together. So again, folks, so you had you've seen us uh, talk to a number of other uh, black designers, brother with Sia Collective. Uh, if you missed that, go to our YouTube channel. You'll see that. Uh, and so one of the reasons why we do this show is to provide an outlet for folks who otherwise uh, would not be able uh, to tell their story. That's why we what we do. We want you to support what we do uh, by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. Uh, and uh, it's, it is all about, again, um, what we do. Matter of fact, uh, so I, let me find this. So here it is. So, Henry, uh, check this out. So if y'all think that it's like, okay, what's up with this? So is, there, is there a shoe in, a sh in there? Okay, so do this here, Henry. Sh show the shoe. I want to show y'all comparison. Just hold it up. Just hold it up. Just like that. Okay, zoom in. Oh, you got the collar, Muhammad? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Okay, hold on, hold on. Zoom in, zoom in. Zoom in, show the dude on the side. Do on the side, do on the side, right there. All right, so y'all, so that's their shoe. Now, Henry, go to my iPad. Go to my iPad. These, these are uh, the Nike shoes, uh, and this is the back of what they look like, uh, those Nike shoes. Uh, you see they had uh, that logo on there. So if y'all are wondering, like, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? Guess what? They did black and red, black and green. So did he. So uh, we want y'all to support Roller Martin Unfiltered by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. We created this show to have these type of conversations, but it only happens if you support what we do. There's some great things that we have lined up. Uh, it's going to be a crazy February. We're going to be on the road in South Carolina. We're trying to plan right now. Uh, town Hall with Senator Bernie Sanders in Memphis. We're trying to plan one with Pete Buttigieg in uh, South Carolina. But the only way we can do that is if you support what we do. So, again, uh, your dollars on PayPal, Square, or uh, Cash App are critically important to us. Uh, and so you can also give right there on YouTube as well. All right, folks, tomorrow I'll be broadcasting from New Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'll be speaking uh, this weekend uh, in New Mexico on Saturday uh, at their uh, MOK celebration. Uh, and so looking forward to that. And put it on your calendar um, that we are going to. I'll be uh, on ABC this week with George Stephanopoulos on Sunday. And so looking forward to, I'm sure we'll be talking impeachment, uh, looking forward to uh, having that conversation. And so y'all know how I do. I'm going to always bring the funk wherever I go. Thanks a bunch. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Holla! From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.